Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And uh, this week we have a combination debrief and war story-ish um, scenario. Um, because Correct. Uh, the date we are recording this is February 22nd, 2023. And uh, we are recording this 29 years ago to the day that um, LAPD officer Christy Lynn Hamilton was shot and killed on February 22nd. 1994 um she had graduated the police academy um just a couple of days prior and was in training and was shot and killed in northridge california which is a suburb of los angeles and chuck you have some uh notes from the officer down memorial page from her family to read correct yeah mom It's so hard to believe that more than 12 years have passed. Not a day goes by that I don't think of you. You have three beautiful grandchildren who will always know of the sacrifice you made. I cried the day Madison Christine was born, a daughter to bless our family in your memory. I love you. I miss you. My heart aches every day. When I tuck my children in at night, I always tell them that their grandmother is in heaven and God has made her, their special guardian angel. I know you're watching over us all. I love you, mom. That's Kelly Lynn Stephen Wace, Christie's daughter, September 5th, 2006. Dear Aunt Christy, I sit here on the eve of the date that will mark 14 years since our lives changed forever. 14 years. I can't wrap my mind around it. Sometimes I feel like I could still pick up the phone and talk to you. And other times it feels like a lifetime since I last heard your voice. You are so much a part of me, so much a part of who I am. I still miss you so much. It hurts. Be all, be with all of us tomorrow. We need you. We always have. Visit Kelly and Billy in their dreams. Play with your beautiful grandchildren. Walk beside my dad and know that we all love you. With every breath we take, Susan Bondle, niece, February 21st, 2008. Christy Lynn. Every time I see the inside of a patrol vehicle today, I think of you. Many of us have been researching and testing ballistic panels for patrol vehicles. Your legacy lives on because today, every LAPD patrol car is equipped with ballistic armor panels. Major MB Parlor, USMC, LAPD, October 19th, 2006. So... um the reason this is kind of a special episode and we have been talking about doing this for a long time is because our guest for this war story will be familiar to, uh, I would guess all, if not most of our listeners, uh, is Matt and, uh, Matt is here with us. What is up my brother? Welcome back to war stories. You've been on the show. We've been on, you've been on war stories with us several times, but countless yeah. know you from locker room. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's good to be uh, on this format, a little more serious, a little less, uh, you know, fart and dick jokes, but uh, yeah. Yeah, mostly, usually no fart and dick jokes, but I'm not going to say never. <laughs> this is me we're talking about. <laughs> so um, I'll give what a little bit read. of background. Um, Christy Lynn Hamilton uh, uh, graduated and became a police officer on January 17th uh, of 1994 and died 36 days later. Um, Mm. She had waited her whole life. She wanted to be a police officer her whole life. Um, I think her dad was a police officer, but she got married when she was, she was so young that she could not become a police officer until after I believe she'd gotten divorced and her kids were grown up. And um, at 45 years old, she went through the police Academy and graduated and received the award for most inspirational member of her LAPD class. And she has the distinction of being only the second female police officer ever killed in the line of duty with the Los Angeles police department. Um, she was uh, uh, to that, the oldest to that recruit- day. Yeah. To that right. Day. To that day. Yeah, yeah. To that day. Uh, 
she was the oldest recruit ever to graduate from the police academy after they had before that they had banned recruits entering the academy past 35 years well that was determined to be um ageism and they lifted the ban and so she decided screw it she's going to go to the police academy what mm-hmm. does that have to do with uh matt and a war story well um just as Christy Lynn Hamilton had the distinction of being the oldest person to graduate from police academy at the time and only the second woman to be killed in the line of duty for LAPD up to that point. Uh, Matt was friends with the man who killed her. Yeah, the boy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He was he was yeah, a boy. He was, yeah, a, he was yeah. a child. So, um. I'm going to, since I was, I, I was your friend during this and I remember it all yes. happening. Yeah. Um, I am going to, and Chuck doesn't know much of this. I'm going to take a step back and I think let Chuck and you guys walk through this and I'll just interject and ask questions where I, where I see them at. But, uh, I thought, uh, you guys could, Chuck, you could give a start with, cause, um, you know, Police officers all over the country, but especially police officers yeah. in California and in Southern California so, have learned about this case. Right. Going through the academy, um, I'm a Southern California cop. I went through the academy and Southern California for a major law enforcement agency. This particular one, Tina Kerbrat and um, a couple others are drilled into you in the academy. Why? Because they're training points. This one brought up a lot of training points. Um you know, making sure we have ballistic panels and vehicles, making sure that you offset yourself um, away from a location, um, don't park in front of a location. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes we learn these things when the worst outcome happens. Um, but it, this is, you get this stuff drilled into you while you're in the academy and you learn these names, you learn these people. Um, but it's not every day that you get a chance to sit down and hear a firsthand account of that incident. So it's, 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 um, it's very interesting. It's, it's, uh, um, I gotta tell you, reading those things at the very beginning, gave me chills, but it is something that you go through the Academy, you start learning these things, you, you know, you start learning these tactics and techniques, you know, like, I mean, why why don't we just park in front of a house on a loud party call? Why why don't we just why why don't we like why don't we just whatever? It's a loud out. call. It's it's a loud it's a, it's a disturbance. We can get there faster. This is the reason why, and yeah. you guys are going to learn that reason uh, shortly. So, Matt, you, um, well, I'll just let you explain in your own words your connection to this because. Your connection is, is a, this is, um, you were how old? I was, uh, just, uh, let's see. So I was 18. Yeah. I was 18 and, uh, yeah. the, uh, the shooter was 17. Yeah. So, um, take it away. I mean, this is, okay. even though this is a weird debrief, yeah. it's your story, man. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So 18 years old, um, I was, a uh, you know, as as most of us, I was I was kind of a shithead kid back then. Um, I was experimenting with some harder drugs, and uh, my buddy Chris was the local, you know, pot and meth dealer. And uh, we had just back then started like kind of you know getting into meth and just not you know wouldn't say we were meth heads, but we're just you know doing that and staying up and partying and whatnot, and, right? You know, a bunch of other silly stuff as experimenting as with like speed and kids and do stuff yeah. like that right, right speed right. is probably i mean it was like it wasn't the same as like breaking bad shit like it's not what you have right today. right not, no, we're not no. talking about like like ice you know it's it yeah this is this is basically speed, speed back in the day yeah, speed. That, yeah. You know, i think i think yeah. the 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 uh branding for it then the the batch that was going around was a uh, uh pink champagne because it had kind of a pinkish <laughs> color. That sounds yeah. really like <laughs> nice, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I've heard um, peanut butter dope. I've heard pink champagne. I've heard yeah. So yeah. So that was yeah. That was the uh, that was what was floating around in the uh, San Fernando Valley. So uh, mm-hmm. my buddy Chris and I, we were uh, you know we were pretty tight because of that. Um, and I hung out at his house a lot, and his father, yeah. um, you know, uh, was you guys uh, live divorced. Close. 
we lived, yeah, I lived within, I mean, I, we would walk to each other's homes or, you know, bike there. It was just, it was not even two miles away. Wow. That's really close. Yeah. So we were, we were around each other a lot. Um, so his, his, uh, him and his father were at, at the point where they were kind of butting heads a lot, um, mm-hmm. arguing a lot and just, you know, the, the typical stuff, uh, his father like was 17 year olds. Correct. Yeah. Except his yeah. father had, had a bit of a drinking problem. Um, and, uh, would kind of go hands on with, with Chris once in a while and get, you know, a, a little too rough with them. So that was a, okay. a, you know, point of contention. Um, and as, you know, uh, we did, we would, you know, lament to each other about our woes of, of how our parents are, you know, raising us. Um, mm-hmm. and he had mentioned a couple of times that, you know, he was like, man, I should just kill my dad. Um, and it was just one of those things that you just, you know, how many times you said you want to kill your boss, you know, one of those things you don't really right, like take, it, like it, to you heart. take it serious. Yeah, yeah. For the record, right. Marco and you both have heard me say, I want to kill my stepmother. I had a very terrible stepmother. I used to joke around about what my plan would be. Like, I, I, right. I understand. Oh, fuck, and, dude. And it, right. Like, <laughs> Like I used to Maybe joke, I'm like, say the plant part. No, I I used to joke. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. break that bitch's tail light yeah. and take the wires yeah. and stick them in the gas yeah. tank. Which that's what I do. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, like I hated my stepmom too. I I wished you know yeah. ill things on her. Right, but it was just like no one took it seriously. I fuck, I no. didn't even take it seriously. Correct. I just hated right. that bitch so much. Yes, I was like, man, wish you just drive off a fucking cliff, dude. Right, you know. So yeah. that, that's that's just for context of I think. Right you know, the way we all talked and it was a different climate back then because it's like, it's not serious. It's, it's whatever, yeah. you know, it's just the kid spouting off cause he's pissed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there was no reason for me to take him seriously. So, and he did just that, Thomas, he told me his plan. What, you know, one time he was like, you know, we got all these guns in the house is, um, dad was a habit, uh, avid, um, uh, gun enthusiast and would go, you know, target shooting. And, you know, they had guns that he, you know, had locked up. Um, but Chris was, you know, 17. So he had access to them, but it was Did never, he, we were try, the, he was trying to bond with Chris by taking him, like yes. going shooting with him and he bought him his own rifle. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He but bought, maybe he, if you smack your kid around, maybe he shouldn't have the access to your gun safe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's that too. I'm going to smack and, you around, and, but then I'm going to buy you a rifle. Yeah. And, and, from what I knew then and what I know now, the by all means, they were, you know, responsible gun owners. It was never mm-hmm. when I was over at the house, hey, check out my guns and let's, you know, pass right. them around and everything. It, it was never anything like that. So, um, yeah, one one night he was just really upset. Um, he he had this really bitching 60... 68 Camaro, 69 Camaro that was all cherried out that is, you know, dad got him and they fixed up together and everything and uh it ended up getting stolen at the shop um so his dad bought him this this chevy truck this little chevy s10 you know two-door pickup right and uh chris was acting like a shithead for a while and his dad said cool i'm I'm yanking the truck from you now you can you know hop on your bike and wherever you wanted to go and you know bus and bike it you know no truck so chris was pissed about that um, and other things that I'm sure I don't even know about that was going on in the house with, with the two of them butting heads. So one night he says, you know what? I'm going to do it tonight. I'm going to fucking kill him. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you totally should. You know, like, right. you know, <laughs> you know, he's like, you <laughs> oh, know. fuck. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, you know, uh, he's like, here's what I'm going to do. You know, we're going to, we're going to hang out. And when they go to bed, I'm just going to, I'm going to bring in some ammo from the garage for the AR because they kept all the ammo locked out in a separate safe in the garage and the firearms inside. So he's like, you know, you know, just bring in, you know, some ammo and I'm just going to fucking kill him. And so we're talking about, and even to this point, I was like, he's not going to do it. He's just, he's just talking shit, just talking shit again. Yeah. So that night I'm there with him and he goes and gets a big uh, ammo can of rifle rounds and brings it in and puts it in his bedroom. And at this Ooh. point I'm thinking he's fucking with me. They're probably going shooting tomorrow and he's just, you know, bringing stuff right. in. Right. It's the crazy thing is disbelief. It's yeah. the mind. It doesn't want to believe what's actually right. happening. So you're like, no, they're doing this. It's, it's not a big, he's just, 
he's just trying to front. He's just trying to showboat. He's just right. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, he's, he's taking it to this point, but he's not really going to do it. Um, Cause I've had friends do something similar with suicide and they start giving their shit away and you're like, Whoa, 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 what are you doing? And, and, but then you're like, eh, whatever. I got a free iPod. It doesn't really matter. He's just being a cool guy. He just wants, he just wants uh, attention. I'll give it back eh, to him whatever. when he calms down. I'll talk yeah. to him tomorrow. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So he, um, so it gets to the point where it's like, it's about 1030 at this point and everybody's asleep at us. And he goes, okay, here's the deal. You go hang out out in the garage. And as soon as you hear a couple gunshots, you come in and get, it was like his, not his stepmom, but it was like his, his dad's live in girlfriend and her son and her son's girlfriend were in the house. He's like, you come in and get them out, you know, and, and that was the plan. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see what, you know, so I, I'm like, all right, whatever. So I walk outside and I thought, God, what if he really fucking does do it? And I, basically locked myself out of his house. I didn't want to bang on the door and wake everybody up. But I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just going to fucking go home. He's full of shit. So I go home and I call him because he had his own landline in his room. So I called him and said, hey, dude, you're, you're fucking around, right? And he goes, well, I said, dude, don't like if you're serious, like come, come over to my place. And he goes, well, I, I don't know. I, I think this is really going down. And he hung up on me. Oh, fuck. So I, I, woke, I woke my parents up. Because at this point, I was like, fuck, this kid's for real. So I woke my parents up and told them everything that was going on. And my dad goes, you call him right now. You tell him, I'll, you know, we'll drive up there. We'll get him. He can pack some things and stay with us as long as he needs to. I'll talk to his dad in the morning. You know, we'll sort this out. Right. So I called him back and he answered. And I'm like, dude. You know, my dad, my parents said, you know, we're going to come get you. Just pack some shit. You know what I mean? To tell, you know, don't wake anybody up. Just sneak out. Come stay with us. We'll, you know, talk to your parents tomorrow. This, we'll sort this shit out. And he goes, well, no, I'm, you know, I, I think I'm kind of calmed down. And I said, well, no, why don't you, you need to get out of the house. Like, well, you can come, just come stay the night. And he goes, no, you know, if I, if I take off, I'll just piss my dad off and I'm not here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, Promise me you're not going to do this, like for real. Like now we're doing real talk. And he goes, no, I'm not going to. I said, dude, promise me. He goes, I'm not going to do it. I said, dude, give me your fucking word that you're seriously not going to do this. <clears throat> and he goes, yeah, Matt, I, I give you my word. I'm, I'm, I'm calming down. I give you my word. I'm like, all right, dude, I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then um, my mom woke me up because I, f- I forget who called. It was her his uh i'm just gonna say stepmom they weren't married but for i mean for lack of a step um daughter was like loosely in our circle of friends and i think she called somebody who called my house and my mom woke me up shaking me they matt get up we gotta go chris did it and i'm like i go what and she goes get up we have to go chris did it and i was like oh fuck so we hop in the car and my mom drives us up to up balboa at at like latson um so anybody who's in you know san Fernando valley knows kind of where that is and they had that taped off and there was a motor cop there and so we stopped and the cop walks over and he's like you know you gotta you know we got a situation you gotta you know go around and she goes no you don't understand this is this is this is his this is a um chris's best friend and he goes Kind of looks like what she goes this is this is his best friend he was with him up until about 10 30 tonight and i shit you not the cop goes are you matthew and my mom's like and we're both like what and he goes get out of the car come with me so then they walk us down to further down to the little side street that went into his side street where they had just right. like i think every cop from devonshire division at that point was there um and i'm talking to a detective and we're talking and they're you know asking me all sorts of questions and i'm giving them you know just gushing everything i know you know of, of what happened and um they so right now we're trying to make contact with him but he's playing music really loud he's not answering the phone um so they took me down to uh devonshire station 
and sat me in the little interrogation room thing and were just, you know, asking me, you know, all these questions about yeah, debriefing you, what he was saying, you know, yeah, and everything. So I'm telling them and they're asking me, you know, about the, you know, how many weapons are in the house, the layout of the house and, and what happened. And so uh, I was asking them what happened and they kind of loosely told me about what happened. And so what happened was Chris decided to do it. He was in his bedroom, which was at the end of the hallway and his parents, his dad's bedroom was shared a wall with it. So he put in, um, oddly enough, my, one of my doors CD that I was letting him borrow and put on the song, the end and just fucking cranked it because he had a bitch in stereo system. So there's that, you know, that kind of foreboding bass line in the beginning. Right. And his dad gets up yelling and screaming at him to turn the music down, pushes the door open where Chris is sitting with his AR loaded and leveled at the door and shot him once in the head. Then got up and got everybody out of the house. And then he called 911. And I heard that phone call and it's chilling because he's kind of laughing. You heard it? Yeah. They let you listen to it? Yeah. Wow. So, and he's basically kind of laughing and saying, yeah, um, I'd like to report a shooting. I just shot my father. And you're the, you know, now one operator saying, okay, is, is the shooter, you know, still there? Like what? And he goes, no, I shot him. And they're like, well, we want you to, you know, where's the gun now? And he goes, it's in my hands. And okay, well, why don't you put that down and come outside? And he, and he said something to the effect of, I'll come outside, but I'm not putting it down. I'll see y'all when you get here. So oh, his, that, the house that he lived in was on a corner and it was on an elevated house pad. So it was about a good, if you were standing on the street, if you were standing up at the foundation of the house, it was like elevated by, I'd say about 10 feet, something like that. Yeah. It's so like the grass was, can I, was like, <clears throat> it was like a, yeah, a retaining I, wall and the front door was probably <clears throat> what, eight, eight feet above street level. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I say something real quick? Yeah. Going through the academy, they they teach you of a scenario of a house on an elevated platform, and it comes from this incident. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he had the high ground. So his uh... also uh, let me back up to the how the fact that it was a corner house is important because I had spoken to an LAPD officer on the at the time, and he said one of the reasons that we'll get into but it based on the numbers if you know your beat you know your area you can tell whether a house is going to be corner house or mid block right Right. left or right you know these are things you can tell based on your knowledge of the area well certain neighborhoods it doesn't apply and in this case this house based on the numbers should not have been a corner house it it, right that's that's what i understood from right talking to people as well certain areas it gets wonky right yeah so so he is outside on the side of the house behind the uh this cinder block wall on the corner um some like little bit of tree cover bush cover right there and he's got a clean line of sight basically 180 degrees from an elevated position so there are two ways Mm -hmm. yeah there were two ways the officers could have came in from the neighborhood and he had line of sight on both of them. Oh shit. So, uh, apparently his, the, uh, his dad's, you know, girlfriend, her son and the daughter ran out of the house and ran North on their street away from the house. And were two or three houses North of their house. So when they saw the squad cars rolling up, they kind of stepped out in the street, you know, flagging them down. Well, from what I understand, this caused the officers to inadvertently stop directly in front of that house where Chris was. And uh, he basically started shooting at the at the patrol car. And from seeing the patrol car, you could see he just started walking bullets from the front bumper, just walking them down the side of the car. And from what I understand, uh. Officer Hamilton was, you know, was not driving at at the time. So she's taking cover behind the door 
And when she reached in to grab the radio is when around pierced the door, went into her armpit area and, you know, entered her chest. Right. And then uh, apparently he kept shooting uh, for a while, then went back in the house. Um, and from what I understand, it, it took him a hot minute to, to get Officer Hamilton out of there, get her up to Northridge Hospital, where she ultimately, you know, succumbed to that within, I believe it was an hour. An hour later is when she, they pronounced her. Yeah, I mean, it was one round, but yeah. it was a pretty traumatic. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it, it was, it, it was <clears throat> the worst spot to get shot, the worst yeah. spot to get shot. And, you know, it was just unfortunate timing and circumstances. And it was just like all the, all the wrong things lined up to, to make that work. I always say it. I always say it. You <clears throat> get heads and assholes will get shot multiple times by multiple different, t- different types of weapon systems and survive. Mm-hmm. A cop mm-hmm. will get shot one fucking time yeah yep and die yep yeah so he retreats back into the house and proceeds to turn the stereo up as loud as it can get and uh he was playing that uh i forget the name of the piece but that intro piece to apocalypse now uh that, oh the that one when the helicopters uh, are coming in i think it's that yeah, right of the Valkyries. It was something from Apocalypse Now oh, that right had, yeah, something like that. So he's just yeah. playing like this ridiculous music, um, and apparently this this was the time right around the t- the time that or shortly thereafter that I was calling his house trying to get a hold of him. He, you know, didn't answer the phone or didn't hear the phone, but because of everything that was going on, right. And that's when my mother drove me up there. So, so he's in the house. I get taken back from Devonshire back to the site, and uh, and it was a hey, let's you know see if maybe you can make contact with him. Um, and then it was around. I want to say it was shortly after or just before sunrise. Um, cause one thing we used to like to, you know, stay up all night, watch the sunrise and, you know, cause we're all hopped up and drugged out. Um, I heard the music stopped and then you hear just a single shot, just one pop. And I was like, oh, he just killed himself. Like, I, I, I mean, what else could it have right. been? I was right around the corner there. Um, and then I guess that's when SWAT made entry with, you know, they popped a bunch of tear gas and went in there. Um, and found him in the den. So I guess his, you know, his father was laying in the in the hallway. He was in the den, laying on the couch where he decided to, you know, put a twenty two in his mouth and and just be done with it. Uh, so I I found out that you know uh, coroners come in and they take the bodies, but they don't really clean anything up. So right. we were all back at the you know, Devonshire station then back at the house. And I was talking with the, you know, the girlfriend and um, she was like, I don't know if I can go in there. And so at that point, some of our other friends were at the house and I said, well, we'll go, we'll go in there and at least put something over the couch, cut the carpet out, try to, you know, clean up. Cause you know, they, you know, the corner, they don't, they don't go in there and clean anything. No, you have to call a crime scene cleanup right. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, we, yeah. you know, it's not like they, they say, okay, here's what you do next. Here's a, here's a place you can call. So right. We went in there and, uh, that, that son of a bitch in the den, he wrote on the wall with a Sharpie. Holy fuck. And so you gotta, you gotta remember this was 1994, right? So he wrote on the wall, Beavis and Budhead made me do it. Ha ha ha. Cause that was the, you know, at the time they were just like, you know, the, the evil in the world, you know, making kids do st- right. stupid stuff. And then he said, uh, tell Matt, I'm sorry. And so, Fuck, dude, you know, seeing that and then just his blood and just, you know, shit everywhere. It's still that the house was just for like the, at least a couple of days after that, that the tear gas was still, you know, that powder was just fucking everywhere. Right. Um, 
so yeah so uh after that it was you know we were back at at the station again and and talking to so many different detectives and officers and the you know press was there and i was sitting out in the waiting room waiting to go back because the rest of his family was back there and uh one of the reporters i remember walked over and go you know you know well, what are you doing here and i said well i i was there and i was a dumb kid i didn't i wasn't trying to like you know put myself out there on blast but then it was like swarmed and then they had uh, the uh, one officer you know saw that happening and called somebody else and they scooped me up and took me back you know around the corner right um where i was you know talking to you know the well his his dad's uh uh girlfriend and the rest of the family and uh i mean it, this was 29 years ago so it's i i have you know it's a forever reminder every february 22nd an alarm goes off in my head that this is the day when officer christy lynn hamilton you know and chris's dad was was murdered and right. i have such torn feelings about Chris because at the end of the day, he was a piece of shit that killed two people that shouldn't have been killed. Right. Yeah, he was my friend, but at the end of the day, he was that piece of shit. Right. You and know, so <clears throat> talking to people and knowing and working in, in, in a time and an era like, in, where, where people, when they have their mind made up, there's nothing you're going to do to change it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm sure you had so many emotions running through you because this is traumatic for you. You're 18 years I old. I thought I was going to get arrested. I, I I thought I was going to get right. arrested. I thought he told me what he was going to do. I was there. Does this mean like, right. um, you know, part of this? Like an accessory? And there were a couple, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I'm 18 year old kid. I didn't, I didn't know, but I was like, oh shit. Um, right. And there was a couple of different reporters because they were... I don't know how those scumbags found out where I lived, but they showed up at my house oh, and, you it's know, fucking scumbag it, reporters. Yeah. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't me fucking leave me alone. Um, and a couple of them wrote some pieces where saying that, you know, I should be charged because what the fuck? I, because I knew about it. Yeah. And so I'm reading this and I'm like, fuck, am I going to go to like, am I going to get arrested? Like what, you know, look, I mean, it's a tragic thing. It's a serious, tragic thing what happened. But yeah. how many times, and you put yourself in that position, how many times have you heard a friend, a close friend, talk about shit that you're like, ah, you're just, you're blowing out your ass, dude. You're, you're just talking shit. You're venting or whatever. I mean, I had a friend talk about committing suicide mm-hmm. and he never did it. Um, and we ended up putting his ass on suicide watch, but he had been talking about it for such a long time. We just kind of, we're just like, well, whatever, dude, like, you're not going to fucking do it, dude. Like, come on, dude. You're just, right, you just right. want, you're just upset. You're pissed off at the NCOs. You're pissed off at the Marine Corps. You're, you're pissed off. You, you're not going to do anything. You're just talking. You want to vent. So we listen. And that was the incident I was telling you, but he was giving shit away and he gave me a fucking iPod and I was just like, whatever. I ended up giving back to him, but he, he, he's alive to this day. And, and, you know, honestly, <clears throat> I I don't think he was going to do it. Even to this day, I'm like, yeah, he wasn't going to do it. But you never, you you, you never know. But you well, hear you that when you're know? young, you're not supposed to. And you, when you're young, yeah. when you're 18, 19, 17, 16 years old, you're like, ah, whatever, dude. You're you're fucking whatever, you know. And I, I'm sure I'm sure you had so many emotions running through you, like fuck, dude. But like you you left, you called. You're like, hey man, give me your word. And yeah. he gave you his word, and ultimately he had already made his fucking mind up. He didn't want you to come there, and he didn't want you to talk him out of it. And I'd bet dollars to donuts if you did go there, he still would have done it, but you would have been in a worse spot. You may have gotten injured or killed, right? Or been fucking stuck there when the cops got there. I mean, and even well, if he clearly he, wasn't think, in his right mind, no, not at all. And even right, if you were right. to call the police at that point there still would have been a shootout. There still would have been bullets being thrown downrange. Like, yeah, I don't think that, you know, and, and I, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And it's so hard to swallow when someone you love is gone. 
and someone you care about is gone. But even if things were to alter and you were to like, you called 911, right? At, at the time when you're like, eh, this is weird. I'm going to call 911, right? But this is also before the era of cell phones. Right. Right. You couldn't just easily pick up your fucking iPhone and, and call 911 or text 911. You would have to go to a landline or to a payphone or to a car phone and call. Like it was, they were not common things. Beepers were common at that point, but yeah. other things weren't, right? So it's like, okay, well, if I, if I call, like, even if you called, I think that it still would have gone bad. Um, and I mean, I'm would sure they've you... even, would they've even rolled up there? Like, Hey, um, my friend who's 17 said he's going to kill his, his dad. And there's a bunch of guns in the house. Oh yeah. I mean, oh yeah, they, 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 they would have rolled the up there, as... but I mean, you don't know if he would have like, you know, oh, locked himself in his room and started more barricading himself, and more cops. Right, right. You no. never know. Like it, it, you never know. So he is. He was committed to it. And one of the things here's the expression that I heard recently that stuck with me: when somebody's decided to kill a cop or kill anyone, mass shooter, school shooting, cop killer, the first one's free, right? Like if you've if you've made up your mind to do it, there's almost nothing that can stop you at least from getting one or two, then the gunfight engages and it comes down to who can get the better of whom. In this case, he surprised his dad, mercifully let his stepmom and stepbrother and girlfriend go and waited for the police because honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if his intention was suicide by cop initially. Yeah. But then when he got the first one, everybody backed off and he realized the SWAT team wasn't going to come in and shoot it out with them. And so that's when he made the decision to end his own life is when he wasn't going to get the standoff he wanted. Right. Right. How, how did this affect you? Um, I mean, this I had a hard. Uh, it, it. Yeah. It, it fucked me up for, for a hot minute. I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of, you know, what could yeah, I have I done, there. you know? You know, yeah, yeah, Thomas, you know, it, it, it twisted me up. I mean, um, you had, we, we sat together up a lot of nights and honestly, this changed that th- there's been a couple of moments that have changed your life. And this, uh, I think was absolutely one of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think I, I shouldn't have been one of the people to go in and clean up the house a little bit. Nope. That, that probably wasn't a, a good decision on my part. Um, but at that, the time, you know, I don't I, think anybody could have convinced you otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, and no, it wasn't I, out of like morbid curiosity or anything. I was just like, no, we did this, you know, this has to get done. And, right. um, I had, part of uh, me wonders if you were punishing yourself. Yeah. I, and I thought about that too. Like, you know, like that's my, you know, it's my penance for, you know, right. right. What I could have done. And for, I'd, I'd want to say like, for about th- up until like maybe two weeks after, um, cause I, I, when we were at the house, I, I walked over, you know, like where he was. Cause I was just like, wanted to walk around. I'm like, God, this is where, you know, he shot that, you know, poor, I didn't, I didn't know that I didn't know officer Hamilton's name at the time. I just knew that I didn't even know that it was a, a woman that was shot. I just knew that he, he shot a cop right. and I was standing over there where he did it. And I'm like, God, you know, and I'm looking, and I'm like, shit. And I looked down and, I don't know if they just, you know, missed it, didn't care, wasn't a big deal, but there was one uh, casing left over and it was kind of like in a crack in between the, you know, where the concrete's poured and there's the little you right. know, connection and it was sitting there and I, and I picked it up and I held on to it for a while. And then I was thinking, why am I holding like, this is no, I need to throw this away. Cause I thought I was like, you know, keeping a little bit of, you know, something from, from him, but then realizing this was one of the rounds that he shot it at the police and that's would have been the round. Yeah. And right. it's, it's not a, it's not a token that I wanted to carry around, you know? So right. I just, you know, threw it away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, stuff like that, like just, you know, a, a lot of growing up real quick because of that situation. A right. lot of, uh, yeah, you're 18 you know, years old. You don't know how to deal with that. How do you, yeah. most 18 year olds have never ever, and <clears throat> will never ever thankfully have to process something like that happening in their life 
Yeah. And yeah, it was shortly over. after that, as you recall it, I was like, fuck this, I'm going to the Navy. Yep. <laughs> you know, so I was like, right. I need to go, you know, get away from all this. Um, Again, changing your life. Like, yeah, you had you, you made some life. So I'll say this. I knew you from the time we were, you know, 15, 16 years old. Right. So I'd known you for a couple of years at this point. And we were mixed up kids, you know, like for different reasons. Right. Right. Um, right. Your parents stayed married. My parents got divorced. You know, like you, we just, we had similar interests, similar, you know, similar pathways, but we, we arrived at our friendship from entirely different directions and then just continued on that fucking path together. And as people who listen to this podcast know, you know, it took two very different turns, but right. I think honestly, the path you were on was really self-destructive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. If, if there is a, if there is a bright side, to life if there are the butterfly effect like a butterfly flaps its wings and then a typhoon happens in europe you know or whatever the fuck the expression is your life would not be where it is now um you would not have the wife you were married to you would not be a veteran of the navy right right you would not be on this podcast we probably wouldn't know each other you might even be dead if yeah. that oh yeah for sure not taking place in your life because of <clears throat> the path you were on at the time i was worried about you yeah, yeah, and, well, and I, I can agree I, with that. I'd I'd spent many a times and and even even now thinking back like to not necessarily just that moment, but that point in time, you know, around that moment was like, God, if I would just hung out with Thomas more, like you know, you were one of the, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you know, you were you were an, a saint compared to the shenanigans yeah. I was getting into. Well, that and that was those um, were yeah. the things that I was like, I can't, I can't be, the, like I can't hang around those people. That's not my thing, like. And right. I wanted to be there for you, but that was like my personal line in the sand was I'm not hanging out with these fools. Yeah. Cause I, right. those, those, I had like my two clicks of friends. There was like, you know, you and Marco and people mm-hmm. from high school. And then I had right. the ones from the other high school that all the druggies and the, Hey, let's go, you know, eat four times of acid type of kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, <clears throat> that time and era, right with the not ease of technology, right? right? I would have done probably the same thing. I would have left and been like, nope, I'm nope, I'm out of here. I'm well, the first instinct is self-preservation. Right. It's fight or flight. Right. And you chose flight and you left. And then you went home and you told, told your parents and you talked to them and then you called him. And I think that's more than what most uh, teenagers would have done. Um, and let me say one thing, because other people are like, well, oh, he's 18. Okay, look. When you know, I'm not trying to talk ill on matter or anything, but when you do drugs, right? Even it's a matter of a little bit. And say you've done them since you were 16 or 17. And I've done, I've I've interviewed numerous people who were hooked on dope and things like that. Um, it prevents you from growing up. You keep acting like you were when you started using. Like, say, if you started using in high school, you continue to act like a high school kid, even into like say you're 30 and you're still using you still act like that 17 year old kid. Right. So yeah. there is a lot of that, 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 you know, happens, but I, I would say I would have done the same fucking thing, dude. I would have left. I would have went home. I would have told my parents, Hey, this is what's going on. Hey, I'm going to call him, make sure he's okay. Make sure he swears. And like, like fucking talk to him. Like, yeah. Hey, let me come get you. And I think you did more than most people. And then when you heard, no, dude, I'm good. I'm going to cool off. I'm fucking fine. I don't want to piss my dad off. You're like, okay, that's normal to you. Right. That's normal for his right, situation. Right. You're like, okay, I'm going to back off a little bit. You could not have, you weren't a fortune teller. You can't predict what's going to happen. You're like, okay, he's struggling. He's whatever. And you know, he's just, that's just him. And it's entirely possible. He was being honest. Right. And it's like, he might have changed his mind again. Change his mind, change his mind again, change his mind again. He made, he was confused. He was clearly not in his right mind. Right. Right. And this this wasn't the, this wasn't the speed. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and here's the thing like that, that whole time, like, I I don't know what he did because I wasn't, nobody was there, but we didn't even do any dope that day. Like we were. Doesn't mean he didn't do it after you left. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what, what happened afterwards. Um, Well, and it also doesn't mean he he was experiencing long-term effects. Right. I know he did a bunch of whippets because there were a bunch of empty freaking whippet containers and, you know, in that room where he killed himself, they were just strewn all over the floor. 
So he was getting himself ready. He was getting himself yeah. in a frame of mind that he needed to be. And, you know, you, you weren't there. You don't know if that happened after you spoke or before, you know, and right. probably after because you spoke to him. And if, if someone's an e-reader, you're probably going to be able to pinpoint it right away. You know, like say, ah, oh, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't right. Like I still need to go over there. Right. But I think that you did more than what most would have done, especially in that time, because cell phones weren't readily available, right? Like, no, I still had a pager at that, at that well, point. Yeah, I, I mean, mean and you told yeah. your parents, that's what 18 year old kids do. You don't. Yeah. Like, so there's a there's case done. law. There's case law that talks about when you arrest a juvenile. Right. And everybody says you have the right to remain silent. You know, everybody knows that. Everybody knows Miranda. Well, not everybody, but most people that listen to the show probably do. You have the right to remain silent and you have the right to an attorney. Those are the two big points of, you know, contention on the Miranda advisement. Right. But there is case law that says for juveniles, if they ask to see their parents, right? Because it used to be, well, you don't have the right to see your fucking parents, right? You have the right to see an attorney and you didn't ask. Now it's a must. Right. Well, a lot of that has changed because the court system finally recognized, hey, for most kids, they don't know how to ask for an attorney. They know how to ask for their mom and dad because their mom and dad is going to get them an attorney. Their mom and dad is their safe place. Their mom, they rely on mom and dad for counsel. So for you to, to say, I need to wake up my mom and dad, like that's a, that was, that was your way of alerting the proper authorities. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And when they told you, okay, he promised you he wouldn't do it. I think we're okay. We'll deal with this tomorrow. That somewhat absolved you in the sense that your parents were telling you it was okay. And you trusted what your buddy told you and what your parents told you. And you have no reason not to. Right. 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 Yeah. Because just, just because someone turns 18, it doesn't mean everything clicks and everything's like, oh, I know everything now. Right. Like you're, you're still, a younger frame of mind, right? Just because 18, 18, like, okay, I can, I can smoke cigarettes um, and I can join the military without a parental, parental consent. Right. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, you're, it's still that a, a young frame of mind. I would have done the fucking same thing. I would have told my parents, I'm like, Hey man, this is what's going on. Right. Okay. And again, like, I can't beat this enough. Like you, you did more than what most would have done. And so from the cop debrief portion of this, let's just cover that real quick. This is why we don't pull up in front of houses. Yeah. This is why we park two or three houses down and walk in. This is why you walk in slowly and quietly. This is why you don't slam the door of your patrol car. This is why you are very careful when people are flagging you down in the middle of the street. This is why you take your seatbelt off a half a mile before you arrive. This is why you don't stand in front of the doorway when you, when the door opens. I mean, his dad was standing in what we refer to as the fatal funnel and it got him. Right. And this is and this is why you turn your lights off and sirens off. That's why you turn your lights off well, well, well before. Mm-hmm. At least so a, you can turn it off a mile before, half mile before, depends on if you're in um residential neighborhoods. You know and beat knowledge. You, yeah. Know your beat, right? I'm not saying that I mean obviously she's a freaking uh a trainee, right? So she has less beat knowledge than somebody who's been working. And I don't, I don't know how long her FTO had been working area um, or whatever, but she has less beat knowledge than somebody who's been working that area for a long time. She has no, she doesn't necessarily know that neighborhood or where the house is going to be. And even somebody who has worked that neighborhood for years might not know that specific corner that well. So there's all these factors working against you as a police officer. And ultimately you just have to do your best and you have, you know, when you're reaching for the radio and a round goes under your armpit between your vest panels and gets you in the chest cavity, the first one's free. I, I, I just said it like if some, if, if you're going to get got, you're going to get got. Sometimes it is completely unavoidable. So from the law enforcement perspective, I think the debrief on that is this is why we have the things we have nowadays. And who knows what officer Hamilton's sacrifice the policy changes and the the training and the the amount of cops that have heard this story the equipment. I guarantee you there are cops nationally all over the country that have been taught this story in the academy yeah and the equipment oh. i mean <clears throat> having ballistic panels indoors having um 
uh, better ballistic vests, changing right. out your ballistic vest every three or four years, right. having uh, weapons that can reach out and touch you, having yep. um, your your duty weapon um, that has better penetration than, than regular uh, weapons, having rounds that can go the distance and hit the target and do damage. Like these are, these are things that are teachable and things that honestly we learn from and change the course of police work and firefights and equipment. It's, it's, and it's sad that this is how, how things change. It's honestly, it's, it's horrible, but there are so many things that this probably change the course for police work um and keeping your head on a swivel like i mean every time i've worked at the boot i've always stressed hey man you need to keep your eyes up you need to you need to be looking for everywhere and when we're coming up on a location i need to know because this was drilled into me on probation where the fuck is a house at if it's not at we slow down and everyone will slow down behind you If, if coppers buzz past you i mean you know everyone will slow down like hey where's the house at you should know where that house is at but that's when we get into knowing your beat knowing if this area changes and you go from an east west to a north south and it's 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 all wonky you need to know where those houses are southeast even they break they they breed it into us they stress it into us southeast even yeah. if you're on the south or east side of the street it's an even numbered house the rest are all odd do you, and all you know where that house guys- is you you guys that are benefiting from Google Maps where the where the freaking red dot drops on the map and tells you exactly where the calls come <laughs> yeah. out, you fucking you know, thank your lucky stars because we didn't have that. We had a fucking right. go ask what a Thomas guide is, motherfuckers. A seven. <laughs> Somewhere yeah. in there. Um, and but, we've had we we've had something similar. We had street guides, yeah. you know, for your area. Mm-hmm. And you were not allowed to pull up a fucking um a GPS. Tom Tom. They didn't have Tom Toms were the big thing when I came yeah. on. Tom Toms. And and those things were fucking off all the fucking time. So you had to have a street map with you at all times and fucking flipping pages while you're running code. And you're like, okay, the house is right here. Okay, I've got it on the map. Okay, I have this RD. All right, look, I'm looking at the house. I'm looking at the street. Okay, the house is right here. We need to slow down. You tell everybody in the stick, hey, house is gonna be on this side of the street. This far in, this how this uh many houses away from the the this street or whatever. So everybody knows. But <clears throat> honestly, it's a shitty situation. People flag you down. You stop your car. You get out. <clears throat> it sucks. And shit like that happens to this day. Um, it's I mean, it's a crappy situation. Um, and on the military side of things, or I guess on the traumatic PTSD side of things, I wanted to debrief um, or allow Matt to debrief because ultimately... You never know what your buddy's. You really don't never know what your buddy's going through. Right, right. They can say a lot of things. They can do a lot of things. You know, Chuck touched on it with his his buddy in the iPod. You're touching on it with Chris. You know, take the extra second to reach out. You took the extra second to reach out, and yes, if you take the extra second to reach out, can they still lie to you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Can they still change their mind? Absolutely. Can they still decide to do something else? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Ultimately, when somebody makes that decision, you're not responsible for it. They are. Right? But if you can reach out the way Matt did, do it. If you can get your buddy to make you those promises, do it. If you can remind them that they're not alone, do it. Because just the way Matt had no idea, had no way of knowing that those promises were empty. You would have no way of knowing if that one time you reach out and ask if your buddy's good is going to be the difference maker. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of times people just need to need to know that they have somebody in their corner. I mean, just, you know, doing that buddy check and making that call could make somebody go, well, somebody does care about me. Right. Maybe I don't have to give away my iPod. Yeah. So you know, and that's important. And I, some commonality as I see it a lot with this, you know, you touched on it. Like <clears throat> his father would go hands on with him. And, yeah. and I, I, after reading a little bit, um, I guess there was his, 
his uh, mom or something had died or something, and his yeah, sister coke, got into drugs. Coke overdose. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So drug history. And so the family. There was yeah. that. There could have been alcoholic. some resentment. Right towards the dad, like dad could have had resentment, and next thing, one thing leads to another, and you have start having child abuse. And when child abuse gets involved, I mean, I, I've seen things go fucking wildly crazy, and and things just take a turn for the worse. And right. you know, <clears throat> there's all that that plays in. And reading the the article from the L.A. Times, they didn't touch on any of that, you know. And I, I get it, you know. Um, but it was the '90s, man? They didn't they didn't get into that shit yeah. back then. No, they bl- no. they blamed the music. They blamed the music. Yeah, and the and drugs. I read that. They blamed the music. Yeah. Yeah. The, the music was the big thing, and I'm like, that's 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 yeah. a cop that cop out, yeah. you know. But how how did? Let me ask you this, because you obviously struggled through this. How did you get through it? What was the you biggest know, thing that helped you? Twenty nine years the, later. Uh, yeah, that. Um, geez, there there wasn't like one thing that that happened and I was like, okay, you know, um, I'm over this. Um, I never went to like any therapy or formal counseling for it or anything like that. Um, the one thing I did is I basically, well, I guess the biggest thing is just uprooting my life, joining the military, getting away from everything. Um, and I kind of like, my civilian life was on the back burner. That was, you know, an afterthought because I was focusing on my military life. Um, and I think that was my therapy, I guess, because it was a way of, even though I didn't deal with anything or process anything, it was kind of put in the back pocket. And then I did a lot of growing up in the military and maturing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a way of doing that. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, I think I just came to terms with the fact that, like you said, I, I, I did all I could do. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're the only one that can absolve you of that. Right. Yeah. Like you have to come to terms with, I, I did my best. I did what I could do. Yeah. And, uh, kind of, I, I focused my shift, my, I shifted my focus to, uh, you know, officer Christy Lynn Hamilton and his father, because they, that, that is the tragedy of the story. I mean, you know, yeah, Chris was my buddy, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, officer Christy Lynn Hamilton and his father that are the victims are, are the victims and paid for, you know, especially, especially officer Christy Lynn, because I mean, it could have been anybody. It was whatever, whatever police officer showed up right, right then and there. Right. right. Um, and, and that's, you know, what I was kind of focusing on that not, not that I didn't grieve the loss that, you know, Chris isn't around anymore, but I kind of came to a realization that, um, he was a shithead for doing what he did. And and it wasn't like it was a big, you know, F him, you know, but, but there's anger kind of there there's anger um and just kind of you know like i said shifting the focus to not you know oh oh poor chris like when when i after i graduated boot camp and i and i you know had to give us our little shit two weeks leave or whatever um in between that and like a school and i came back home i you know was got all you know dressed up in my brand spanking new uniform and went out to the to the cemetery um where his mother, father, and himself are buried. They all had their, their little plot there. And uh, I basically went to, you know, pay respects to his father. You know, e- even right. though he was there, I didn't, you know, you know, cry over his grave, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough question to answer. There wasn't really like one specific thing and I can't pinpoint like when and where and how I ended up getting over it. And to be honest, I don't think I really ever got over. It. I mean, it was a pretty traumatic thing. That's kind of just going to, you know, stay with you. Um, but there's, yeah, it changed you. You can't, you don't it, get over it changed something me. that fundamentally yeah. alters your core. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and here we are, you know, 29 years later and, and there isn't a year that goes by where I don't think about this. It's right. just, I think about it differently now. Yeah. Right, and you pay um, remembrance to Christy Lynn Hamilton and his father every year. Shift your Correct. Focus. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it too is shift your focus, right? When you're yeah. suffering, there's there's a, there's a scientific study out there that shows that 
helping others is more effective than antidepressants for people who are experiencing clinical depression. Getting out there and doing something for somebody else is absolutely more effective, which is shifting your focus. Don't focus on yourself. Focus on others. Focus on the, 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 the people that you, that need your focus, that need your help, that need your remembrance, that need your help, that need your guidance, that need, you know, her family, his dad, you know, these, these are the people that, that suffered as a result of, of his actions. It's not about Matt and it's not about Chris. It's about the survivors uh, and the families of the people that lost their lives. And if right, you focus right. on that, it takes it away from you. And when you make it not about you, it, it's it's the most bizarre, mind-altering, like, oh, it's not about me. Then I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be depressed. I can I can make it about something positive instead of wallowing in self-pity. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And once, and once you make that turning point of not beating yourself up over, of, you know, not what, what could have and should have, you know, because right. that's, it's, it's done. Right, um, right. Then, then I think that's, you know, really beneficial. Um, but yeah. Well, I think it's obvious we're going to dedicate this week's episode to uh, police officer, Christine Lynn Hamilton, Los Angeles police department. Uh, rest easy sister. We got it from here. Uh, bro. I know we've talked about this. You and I for years. Um, I've known this story for a long time, but yeah. talking about it in this forum, I know is tough to do, but it's also something that you and I had discussed that, you wanted to do right and, right um this was this was something you said it's the i want to do it for the anniversary because it's almost 30 years it's 29 years which also prompted us to remember how fucking old we are <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um but uh thank you right um it, because again if her sacrifice as a police officer saves the lives of other police officers and causes change in police work that protects other young cops. Um, I like to think that your sharing your story will help other people who are either struggling with something difficult that they've gone through, maybe help them get through it or teach them to be there and, 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 that you never know when reaching out is, is or isn't going to make a difference one way or the other, but you still got to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. You never know when someone's struggling with something. Um, right. And it can catch you off guard. Uh, it's always a good, good, good rule of thumb. And <clears throat> if, and if you think you someone, feel bad when you reach out, if you reach out to somebody and they still do it, if you think you feel bad, then not your fault. Imagine how you're going to feel if they do it and you didn't reach out. Yeah, right. It's, it's always a good rule of thumb. You know, hey, if you haven't heard from someone in a while, just be like, hey, man, what's up? You good? Yep. What's, and, what's uh, going on? You know, my my wife was driving away from her parents' house after visiting with my daughter, my three-year-old daughter at the time, driving away from her parents' house. Her great-grandfather lived on the property. She got a mile down the private dirt road. And she goes, you know what? I didn't say goodbye to my grandfather. And it bugged her so much. She turned around. And said goodbye to him before she left and drove away. And she never saw him again because he died. So if somebody is on your heart, if somebody comes to your mind, and if you think to yourself, I wonder how so-and-so is doing, I should check on him. Don't then say to yourself, I'll do it later. Do it now. Because God gave you the hair on the back of your neck for a reason. And if somebody's telling you to get in touch with your buddy, get in touch with your fucking buddy. Absolutely. No. When it's going to be their last, you never know if they're going to do something crazy out of the, out of the normal and uh, take their own life. You walked away and you had the entire walk home to think about what he was doing and realize something's hanky, man. I like, 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 I don't think he's fucking around anymore. Like you trusted your gut and your gut was right. And you tried. You know, how much worse would it have been if you're like, he's fucking full of shit and you just went home, went to sleep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and and that's the thing about that. Like, like you were saying, Thomas, you know, do it now when you feel it. Cause none of us have tomorrow. I mean, it's not, it's not promised for any of us. It's, it's not, 
Well, Every right. day is a gift. That's uh, this was a this was a not a fun episode, but it was a good episode. No, it was uh, it was interesting uh, talking about this as an adult now. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, you and I have talked about it in probably every decade of our existence at least yeah, once. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Well, uh, Chuck, do you have anything? Yeah. Just, uh, I just want to say this, uh, cause I recently lost, uh, someone I served with. Um, please check on your friends, please, please just if reach out. If you guys are that close, Hey man, you good. What's up? How's it going? Say something, check in. Um, you never know. And this just drives it home. You never know what someone's going through. You never know what's going on in their head. Just check in on them. And uh, if you like today's uh, podcast, please go follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook. Uh, we're on all major podcast streaming platforms. If you like us, share a post and our info. Share a podcast with other people. Introduce them to it. Um, you can uh, call in or not call in, but you can email us we, at booking. You can Warfare. call in. We have a voicemail, yeah. but we don't give it out because nobody but, uses it. <laughs> You can uh, you can email us at booking.warstories at gmail.com. Send me your story. I can get you booked. If you have a friend you think would be a good fit for us, um, let them know about us. Build them the podcast for War Stories and give them our booking email. We're looking for law enforcement veterans, fire, EMS, mm-hmm. paramedics, um, cops, every, everyone. You know, like and and even uh, I hope we open it up to. Uh, ER doctors and ER nurses and people who work in the ER because you guys see some crazy all kinds shit. of people. Um, but yeah, let them know about us and uh, thank you all for for listening and stay safe. Hey Matt, you want to say the closing? Well, till next time, come home with your shield or on it. Perfect.